Welcome everyone back to your program with Let's Grow Together and your host Mordechai Weinberger LCSW. It's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. We're here to take any of your mental health questions or questions along those lines, questions or comments, and looking forward to addressing them. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858, or you can text your question to 347-927-8398, 347-927-8398. Please be aware that we, of course, will be taking the phone call questions ahead of time. We'll, of course, be having a variety. But if you'd like your question answered, go ahead, call in 718-683-5858. You can also watch us live, the studio over here, on thejradio.com, on thelakewoodscoop.com, and on yeshivaworld.com. So you can see this program live at those times. Just to start off with a topic a concept that we've gotten a question today. I have daily questions and answers on the phone line that I do a little with my father. And that number to that phone line is 718-298-2011. But the question was a good one. And this person's asking that they're basically right before Pesach now, their wife is nervous and tense. And when they want to, when they come home, they had a pretty good day at work. But when they come home and the wife is nervous, it's affecting them. And they can be even up to two hours in a bad mood. What can they do? So I would like to just get this awareness out there. There's a lot of stress going on. Baruch Shem is coming in and there is a lot of work that needs to be done. Both for the husband, both for the wife and for kids. There's a lot that they want to do or that they need to do. Everyone's got their expectations. And what I would like us to recognize is that no one wants to be nervous. No one is saying there is a big job coming up and let's get nervous. What's happening is it's by default of the situation what's happening. There is so much to do. So much money is needed to be spent. So many people or kids are wanting different things all at once. Kids are fighting. They have different goals that they had in mind for this, for Benazmanim or for the break. Or they want to help the parents, but sometimes their help is unfortunately taking even more energy. All this, or a lot of this, is happening right now. And if we can focus and recognize, no mother, no father wants to be nervous. No child wants to say, no, I don't want to help. No one wants to get angry. And what's happening is we are not planning it correctly. So as the saying goes, no one plans to fail. We just fail to plan. So what happens is, it's an interesting process that happens. We get nervous. Yelling, screaming, tension is saying, I can't handle it. I need help and I'm not getting it. Or the help that I'm getting isn't enough or it's not the way I need it. And many times you can hear a mother saying, it's just easier if you won't help me. Why would they say that? Because we need to be able to put ourselves in the other person's shoes. What does the other person need? How can we help that other person? If we can start thinking what the other person needs, it gets easier and better. One of the recommendations that I made for this person is, and I enjoy this focus, those of you that listen to our program weekly, that is to take responsibility. Instead of saying, my wife is yelling and nervous and she has to calm down, it goes on two levels. What can I do to help the situation calm down? And part of that might be discussing it in advance with her, discussing at night, what can we do that tomorrow should be easier? Or sometimes it's the other way around where a wife can discuss with the husband, what can I do to make it easier for you? That is step one. What can I do to change? Number two is taking responsibility over your emotions. No one 
Absolutely no one controls your feelings. The Rabbeinu Shalom has a way that situations we are not always in control of. However, our emotions, the Rabbeinu Shalom does give us the Kayach to be in control of. So the options are, what will you do if your wife will yell at you, or if your husband would be tense, or if your children are nervous, or if your workmate tells you something? What can you do to own your feelings that you should not get triggered? If you feel knocked down, then maybe have a list of your positives that you can do or recognize and identify and say them. I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I know how to get along with people. I am responsible. I can take tasks. If something gets done, I'll stick through it through the long run. Start identifying what can you do Take take responsibility over your emotions. Part of that might be just take a two-minute break. I'm just stepping out a minute and coming right back in. But that separation, that leaving the environment, coming back in fresh, can change the entire situation. So that was just the bridge to sort of get in today to the questions, answers, comments that we've got. So the number to call in is 718-683-5858. And we are going to go to Shindy Online 1. The number to call in, again, is 718-683-5858. Actually, we're going to go to Perry Online 5. Perry, you're on the air with Mortify. Yeah, hi. Um, I wanted to know, first of all, thank you so much for your show. You're very welcome. Um, I want to know, I have a son. He's married with uh, five kids, uh, many years. Um, I, I have an issue with it. He lives far away. Um, and I, let's just put it this way. His parenting skills are really not very far from, from what it should be, meaning him and my and my daughter-in-law. It's really it's just a lot of screaming going on in the house, a lot of bribing with the kids, a lot of really very bad skills. Now, I'm in a position where I, I don't know, you know, when he tells me, oh, I don't know what to do, what should I do with this, what should I do with that. The real thing is he would really just need a, you know, need a good parenting class. Right. How do I, how do I tell that to him without hurting his feelings? Okay. Well, first let's identify your question because I feel your question is, is it's, it really is a global question. It's a lot deeper than sort of what you're asking. And let's take this question to a global level. What do we do when we have a loved one, children, spouse, parents that are having a certain difficulty, we're aware of it, and we want to help them? But Mm -hmm. they're not going to really take our advice, right? Because it's your son, they're married for many years, and it's so simple, just take a parenting class. And I'm sure you've mentioned it to him several times, right? Um, I've always tried to hint, I never want to direct. All right, well, your kid being, let's just make the assumption that every parent knows the child and every child knows the parents, they know your hints, what you're really saying. Let's Mm -hmm. make that assumption, correct? Right. Why is your son not taking it? Um... Maybe I've never been direct enough. I don't know. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So let's start step one. So here you go. Step one is be direct. Look, my wonderful son, I love you very much, but there are certain points or certain skills that need to be learned. And just like you want to learn to read, we send you to yeshiva because of all the skills that are needed there. Some of the tools that you need might just be some skills. I'll sign you up if you need me to sponsor. Maybe I'll sponsor or or half of it or just take a parenting class. Just do Mm -hmm. it. Something like that, just being direct, will help them. You can tell them it's not in any negative way that you're not a good father or your wife isn't a good mother. Not at all. It's right. just there are simple courses out there, classes out there. Then like six to ten classes in six to ten weeks. Bedtime is within 20 minutes. You right. know, kids are listening. The, com- the shouting, the screaming is down by 80%. Right. 
So right. that's step one. But let's take it a step further. Let's take the assumption that your son will not take it, all right? Which happens many times, that right. we make recommendations, and or, or the person knows what they need to do and they're not ready to do it. What do you do then? What do right. you think? Um, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> one of the points that I find is, and I always like taking it to the person that asks the question, is that we start feeling trapped. We fought, start feeling stuck, and we start feeling responsible. Right. So let me first tell you, Bar Hashem, once you put them under the chuppah, they are now king and queen of their castle. Right. You can suggest. You can be like the queen mother. But the actual reigning authority is now them, which right. means the Rabbi Shalom believes and puts faith in them that they will figure it out. And he has that much faith in them and in us that he will give us the Nisayan over and over and over. And there was once a quote that I read that like the Rabbi Shalom is like the hardest teacher. First gives you the test and then the lesson. Mm-hmm. And if we don't learn the lesson after the test, don't worry. The Rabbi Shalom is a kel rachem and He's got patience. He'll give it to us later on again. A year, two years, there'll be more children, it'll be more stressed. Eventually, they're going to have to go for help. Mm-hmm. Your job is to sort of be there that if they ask you for advice, tell them this and this is what I suggest. Don't take over their responsibility. We can't anyhow. Right. When they're young, when they're still in our house, there are a lot of parenting tools that we have that we can guide them in the, in the direction that they need. But anyone that has taught a parenting class or any parent will know for each child, they had to do things a little bit differently. So I want to sort of take that whole pressure off you that you have this responsibility. You're looking at your grandchildren. You're seeing the yelling and the shouting going on. You're Mm -hmm. not responsible. Your job is be the Bobby that you are. Right. How do I detach myself from that? How do I just look at your kids and look at that picture that usually almost every parent has somewhere a picture of that couple of a wedding picture. And look at that saying, that chuppah, that picture saying, they will take care of themselves. The same way we learned, that's how they learned. We learned from mistakes. If we are more aware, like we would ask advice and he doesn't, or your daughter-in-law don't, they will figure it out. The Rabbi how can you feel, I will do my best. I can give the kids whatever love, the grandchildren whatever love when they come to me as a babi, but I'm not their parents. The responsibility is not mine. Let me put you at ease. It is not your job. You can suggest, I can show you those grandparents that are coming to me with a stress controlling the whole world and not in a negative way. They really mean to do good. But we don't have the power. They are not going to listen. Chances are they aren't going to listen. You can be direct, tell them this and this is what I feel. And you want to say it in a loving way, which is saying, I'm not attacking your parenting skills. I'm not saying that you're not good. All I'm saying is that a situation needs to change. Many times when I get parents, when they do individual parenting, we're finding out that the issue is not even parenting issues at all. There might be one of the parents suffer from anxiety. One of them might feel very overwhelmed. One person might be a perfectionist, and therefore there's a lot of stress going on. And it's not a parenting issue. It's about a couple's issue, and it's not even a couple's issue. It's about one of the, one of the parents that needs some tools to work on their issue individually. And then you can give the tool. So imagine you got a car that the tire is flat and we're busy trying to race it on the raceway and we're not getting anywhere and you're hitting the gas even stronger and you're putting more and more tools. Now you'll add on the boosters, turbo. But if the tire's got a flat, you first got to fix the flat. So your job is be that wonderful Bobby. When they're there, 
be nice, take them in, be calm, whatever you'd like to do, but don't take on yourself the responsibility. You can suggest it once, suggest it twice, and then let go, or you're going to become the nagging mother, the nagging schwiger. Right. You do so have a right pretend to pretend that everything is fine when they come and everything is not really not fine. Right. Then they're sort of saying in a nice way, please don't get involved. And here's where my recommendation to you is from my experience. The Rabbi Shalom is an amazing, masterful teacher. He does not let anyone go through this world, anyone, without getting the lessons he intends us to learn. Mm-hmm. So if you can trust that the Rabbani Shalom will teach them, they will have to figure it out at some stage, at some age. Hopefully it will be easier with less, with less damage, but right. they like will... I, I just feel for, for, the, for, the, for the children it shouldn't damage them in any way. Yes, and I once heard from a Rav which put me at ease a lot in that concept, and that is, he brought down Bashem the Zayar. I don't know where that is, and I've never learned the Zayar, so that will be hard for me to point, but sometimes we have some of the listeners which can source it for us. And that is that each neshama, what before it comes down, it actually chooses the parents, the situation, the exact time, which means if a certain neshama needs a certain growth through this life, and a hundred years ago they wouldn't have gotten it, the neshama would wait to the exact moment and second and parents and situation that will be exact to what it needs. Mm-hmm. So understand that each of your wonderful grandchildren, their neshama have chosen these parents, these situations with this difficulty, and they will outgrow it. So you can only do the best that you can do within your situation. You can recommend, you can suggest, and you can give love. You can emulate, you can role model how a healthy parent or how you deal with the points. And part of being a healthy parent is you need to figure this out. When he asks you, what do I do? This is someone, this is something that now needs more skill than I can give you. Mm-hmm. Part of what happens that keeps a negative situation going is when people try to give advice instead of having someone professional in the system saying, a lot of things are going wrong over here, we got to deal with the cause, with the core. Mm -hmm. I've got several clients, current clients, that are not happy with that when I do that. And I go, right now, this isn't a marriage issue. Right now, this is not a parenting issue. I will not give you the tools so you can continue the negative behaviors that are going on. You need to face the issue. And sometimes you need to do that. It's a different type of therapy. There are different roles in therapy. Sometimes you got to do like the emotional. And sometimes you got to do the, the sort of the team player. But then there are times where you got to be the therapist to make sure movement happens. Right. So you got to know what your role is. And if, you have, if you're in a position where you can make things happen, then you can be more direct. If mm-hmm. you do, are not in that position, then you need to do a less direct situation. But do not participate in the negative behavior that's happening. Meaning, should I set any limits like when they come to my house? Are there any, any rules or anything or just unconditional love? Again, how often are you with them? How long are you doing it? There's so much involved over here. In other words, um, are you starting to educate them now? Is that your role? Are you taking the role now of defending your grandchildren? No. All right. So then don't take that role. Can you do something? That's not the role right now. The right. role right now is Maybe you be that wonderful. position to educate them or discipline them or anything. Even if the parents are not. Is that your job? No. Okay. It shouldn't be. So that's not your job. That's right. So now you can be a concerned parent or grandparent, which you can take the grandchildren as many times as you'd like to your house and give them as much love as you can. 
You can give them that happy day. You can create the healthy boundary, teach them no out of love or out of concernness without the yelling and screaming. And know that they will say, yes, we have a grandparent, which when they will learn how to end their lives, when they'll need someone to model or think back at a time where someone was able to say no assertively and healthy, they will have you as that role model. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe that usually like where people get the title Schwiggers or Schwerers, all those difficult peoples, when we try helping getting involved, let Urban Shlem run the show. Uh-huh. Okay, great. Good luck. So it's much, much easier said. It's much easier said than yeah, done. done. Yes, much. I know. <laughs> but just know and feel the Urban Shlem will take care of it. Daven for them when you bench left. Say to Hillem, I'm a huge believer in the Urban Shlem and the Koyachat Tefillah. Mm-hmm. So okay. focus on that. And look at them as king and queen, and the Rabbi Shalom will just give them their lessons, and they will get it. Okay, thank you so much. You're very welcome. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. You're listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. We're here to take your question or comments that you have and we are going to go to Suri on line one. Suri, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, Mordechai. Thank you so much for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, I have, basically, I have two major issues in my life. I'm a teenager, and I just wanted to know if maybe the intertwine. I'm sorry, just a second. Is there a way I can have it a little louder over here, guys? Just in my... Can you talk a little louder then? The, your voice is coming out a little quiet in, in my room. Is it now better? Um, a bit stronger, a bit more... Volume in it, a bit more power. <laughs> um, basically, I have two major issues in my life now, and I was just thinking if they're intertwined. Um, is it better now? Yep. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm managing. I'm putting it more near <laughs> to the speaker. Thank you so much. Um, what happened is that I was usually in seminary the whole year, and um, I came over Pesach. And what's happening is that I'm having major stresses with my mother. And... Besides the fact that she's a very logical person, then usually, usually I used to I used to not have such mood swings and, and be so extreme. But and I'm also very extreme. So these two things together are really putting a lot of stress on me. I wondered if, if because my mother's such a logical person, that's why she's. Getting Wait, you are wondering. Just repeat that again. You are wondering if. <laughs> if because she's such a logical person, that's why she's getting nervous because I am like extreme, or, or just because she's dumb. Okay. okay, again, I'm going to ask you just to say it one more time just because of my, you know, Aaron, can we, can I get a little help over here? This caller is very low. I'm I just not getting the last part again. Is it because of? I'm wondering if it's because I'm extreme that it's causing these risks. Okay. Or is it because, or is it because like, just, I just was, wasn't home for so long that now. Thanks. All right, so let's, let's understand. I love this question, and we're just going to take it on a more global level again. When someone, let's say, suffers from anxiety, that everything affects us, or let, I sort of gave away the answer, well, that means that our awareness, and I usually use this muscle of a radar. Imagine an airport, right? How do they know which plane is coming where? There is a radar. Now, right. if you've got too many planes coming next to each other, the radar will show it and then say this radar, and then the people at the tower control will tell you, slow down, go higher, you know, circle the airport till the, till the runway clears up. What would happen if this radar is going to be on super high sensitivity that it will pick up every single plane, I'm sorry, every single bird flying, every single animal on the runway, if there is any, any cats or something running by, what would happen? 
all of a sudden when they see 5,000 more planes, birds, or planes in their radar, what would happen? I think it would prove that's broken. That's right. The entire system is going to go nuts. No one's going to be able to land, and everyone's going to be blowing. You know, every, they'll be seeing a plane. It's a bird, a bird, a plane. Everything's going to be crashing into each other, correct? Right. Anxiety and high anxiety is, means that the radar, one of the ways I explain is that the radar is on super high. Super high means everything affects you. Every little word that someone says will bother you. So and me? You, whoever's got the anxiety. Who said it's me? What? Who said it's me? I understood that you said that there are two issues going on, and I did not hear your question. It's too low for me then to deal with. I understood your question that you have anxiety or you take everything very personal, and the second thing is that your mother is tense. So it's a drug difference. My tense. And Sorry, I'm I still am not hearing you. You know what? I, we're going to go then to the next question. I am just not hearing you clearly, and it's going to be very difficult to address it. Maybe uh -huh. call right back from another from another line or somewhere that comes out louder. I'm just not hearing you. I apologize. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. Okay. We're going to go to Rachel. Rachel on line two. You're on the air with Mordechai. Um, good afternoon. Um, can you hear me? Yes, I hear you. Okay. Um, I'm calling you in regard to the woman who spoke previously about um, having children in Einikruch at the house for Yantif. Yes. Or Shabbos or whatever. Um, I didn't really understand exactly when you meant. I, I do understand it's not my job to bring up my grandchildren. It is their parents' job. Baruch Hashem, they're wonderful. Um, but when you see certain things, um, and you don't want it children, um, and you say, like, just try to be upfront and say, you know, parenting class is really a, a good route to go because there are certain techniques that just, sometimes you just have to get that little help, and then, and then it'll go smoothly. But if you're really not sure that, you, you, don't, you don't want to draw a wedge between you and a son-in-law or daughter-in-law, um, and this, is, this would be a, a potential damage zone to do that. Um, so in the previous conversation, it came up like, do you do it like with unconditional love? If I know, if my kids know that you don't stand on the furniture, or if mommy offers you a jelly bean, or obviously not a Pesach, but whatever it is, then you say thank you instead of, like, putting up a fight or, like, if it was really bedafka only for that child, but everyone's screaming that they want, like, if you think, like, the parents wind up giving in on every little thing for little kids, they're, they're, they're not going to learn when they're older that you don't scream to get your way. Or, and, and just like the other mother on the, on the line, it just it hurts. Like, I, I don't want them to be taken advantage of, whether it's a, the bedtime issue or the nosh issue or the anything else. Um, there was one question. I did have another one. Okay, you know, let's see. do with one at a time. Can we do with one at a time sure, so sure, we sure, stay sure. focused? Please. Fantastic. Yeah. So here we have an issue that you're bringing up, and that is that we've had before. How do you deal with it when you've got, let's say, the grandchildren coming to your house, and the parents might not have the parenting skills or tools and now your house is getting affected. That is one part that you didn't mention in your question, but how do you deal with that? And I feel that will answer a, a, a part of your second question. So sometimes I step in. Yes. Um, and I say, in Bobby's house we do this and this, or Bobby doesn't like whatever. I, I say it only meets that means. That's right. Excellent. Um, and now you've I just answered. I feel like I'm becoming the, the rotten no, now you've answered your question, which means in your house, this is now your castle. You are king and queen. Here you have a right to set boundaries. 
Here is many times the mistake that parents make or grandparents make by assuming that if we set boundaries, saying no means I don't love you. Saying no means kids will say, oh, the other Bobby is so much better. Let me tell you reality. That is not true. Unfortunately, we deal with this many times when there's a divorce in the family, and many times the mother is the one that has the children, and all of a sudden the father will take them for Chalamite, fly them to Florida, to Disneyland, take them to all the great places, and I always hear the way the mother says, it's not right that I always have to be the one to put the boundary and be the one that has to do homework, and yet the father gets, or, when it's, or if it's vice versa, the father gets to be the good one. The answer is always the same. In the long run, they will appreciate you. In the long run, they will know, oh, Bobby is wonderful. She's this and that. Oh, but in Bobby, we have to put away the toys. In Bobby's house, we don't jump on the furniture. It is healthy and it is okay to create that, that limitation, that boundary, and it is healthy. So do not think that you're bad. Do not think that they will look down at you. If it's balanced, if it's always a no, yes, they'll look at you as the wicked witch. If you are able to give the love as well, so there are nash. There is story time. There is telling the story of Pesach now that we're coming up. Um, hugging them, kissing them, telling them how proud you are of them. If it's balanced, they will not look bad at you. They will respect you. Mm-hmm. Step one. Now let's go to your question. Okay. I am a big believer in parents. Yes, and I, my mother I know is listening. But in parents telling the children their thoughts. Maybe not the son-in-law or the daughter-in-law, because then it might get sticky. But there's nothing wrong with a mother telling their son or a mother telling their daughter, you know, when you're coming, the kids are jumping all over. Um, you need some tools. What do we do? Remember, no one has just created all of a sudden a son or a daughter that's 20 years old or 30 years old. We have relationships. You guys were, you know, you were raised. You are two years old. You're eight years old. You're 20 years old. You went through the teenage years together. Your son told you or daughter what he thinks, and, the, and you told them what they think. The point, you can still say what you think. You just say it and let go. It's not anymore your castle. Which means you're not letting go. You're not relinquishing that, oh, I'm not your mother anymore now, so to my married son, I'm not going to tell you. I will tell you. But just as in teenagers, where the parents have to start learning the balance of how to educate, how to teach, sometimes even be more assertive, But at the same time, you need to let the teenager learn their lessons, go through the pains for them to be successful so this way they can become a parent. Which means, yes, there are, I've got, unfortunately, many times when you get those hard, hard cases where someone is married, let's assume a husband or a wife is married, they're very not healthy, the spouse is struggling to get the other one to therapy, and we, call, we do an intervention. Intervention is not the word intervention as people think like intervene. But intervention is where you get the parents involved of this spouse, which is not healthy, the husband. And you get whoever else is needed. Sometimes you get some siblings. They're all in the office together. And we all say, you have a problem. You had it as a girl or as a boy. You had it as a teenager. You're having it now that you're married. Get better. Don't avoid. It's not mommy. It's not Tati. It's not your husband. It's not your wife. It's not the children. It's you. And that's usually a last resort to do that. But understand, as parents, you have a relationship with your son or with your daughter. Be verbal. Say it once. Say it twice. They're not taken anymore. Then you let go. Now we got to let the Rabbi Shalom. That's part of our work. How to let go and now let the Rabbi Shalom do his job. So many people do I work on, grandparents, where they are so stuck and held and needing to control their children's lives or grandchildren's lives. 
and it just eats them up when they don't have the power really what to do. The children will not listen to them. The grandchildren will not listen to them. And that's about letting go, surrendering. There's an entire concept of surrendering. And surrendering does not mean surrendering, saying, I am powerless. Surrendering is a very powerful position, saying, I will do the best, but I don't have to accomplish. In Yiddish, the saying goes, and it's brought down from several of the big Rebus of the previous generation, Medaftin, Medafnish Oftin. You gotta do, you don't have to accomplish. Right, right, right. It's hard. Again, as I told that first caller, it's so much easier said than done. This is work. This is what you learn in group work. Those that take the twelve step methods in the therapy, in the AA, GA, and all those other groups that are out there, the first step is surrendering, letting go to a higher power, to the Rabbinish Lalam. That's the concept. It's a very hard concept. But it's something that needs to be mastered. And as the teenagers get older, we need to learn the balance of letting go, letting them learn, and being comfortable while they're going through their painful process. If a kid does not do his homework, you do not write that note, dear Rebbe, dear teacher, please forgive my son or daughter for not doing the homework. No. If they have to stay for a detention later or come in a day when they're off, if they have to write their homework more, if they have to do more, let them learn the process. There are so many mothers and fathers I deal with, but my kid's going to cry. It's going to be so much harder on him or her. That's part of the process that we need to let go to various degrees. Okay. Thank you, yes, and thank I you. hope it answered your question. Yes, thank you very, very much. You're and welcome. And I would just like to add on to these callers that for us to understand why Yomim Toivim time, Pesach, and Sukkot are such stressful times, part of it is because of all the work that gets done, but part of it is all those unfinished emotional connections that weren't cleared up, they all get brought up on Yantiv. So I've seen, and we've all seen, unfortunately, that children in their 30s and 40s should come together. It comes to a family wedding where they're marrying of the youngest child and they have an oldest child that could be in their mid-40s. And you're going to hear family fights. Who sits where? Who's getting which room? Which grandchild was more smiled at? These are old issues. That if you really do go to the root, as we do in therapy, when this kid was seven years old and this kid was three years old, the parent always defended the three-year-old. And now 40 years later, the same scenario is playing itself out. When we have Yom Taivim that everyone gets together, it's those issues that the parents were not able to work out with the kid that's coming up over and over. And now we sort of, now you have the kid saying, why are you always giving in to this one or letting this grandchild have it? Oh, because you always gave in to the kid. When they were, the old situations come up and whatever wasn't, wasn't completed, as we've said to the first caller, the Rabbein Shalem has a way of just giving it back over and over and over. He is so patient and lets us, unfortunately, not unfortunately, fortunately, learn the lesson the unfortunate part is the older we get, the harder it is to change, the more difficult it is, the more baggage we have, and the more force, or so the bigger the hurdle is against us. All right, we've got Surrey on line one. I wonder if this is Surrey again with the... Is this Surrey? You're, you're, you're on line one. Yeah, can you hear me, Clara? Um, I'm going to ask you to speak louder. It might be then my mic system. Just speak up, put in more voice, put a little more power instead of having that gentle voice. <laughs> um, basically, you know, is it clearer? Yes, but, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, but keep it strong, please. Okay, I'll try. What is is that I just came in from seminary recently, yeah? Yes. Can you hear? Yes, so far so we I got. Came you came seminary. back from seminary, yes. Right, and I 
And until now, I had a really good relationship with my mother. And suddenly, it just went really, um, became really rifty. So till and now, it was always good, and since you came back, it's not? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And I also have another issue, which I thought might be a combination of the cause, is that I am a very extreme person. Like, one day I'll be very happy, next day very sad, one day I'll... I just um, have very extreme mood swings, so I thought that maybe that my mother's a logical person. That's why she's becoming so angry at me, and I, I just can't, I can't really cope with it. And it's now Pesach, and it's really hard because I'm home the whole time. I wondered if you could help me identify what's causing it. Okay, so I sort of got your question, but now that I hear it clearer, we can still identify it and clarify. When you say you have mood swings, right? One day you're up, one day you're down. Yeah. Let me um, ask you a question. How do you think you would be able to have a relationship with yourself? <laughs> means if you would be divided into two, one would be up, one would be down, and you would have to be now best friends, share the same room. You have to clean, do tasks together. How do you think you'd get along with yourself? Terrible. Okay. Really not good. That's right. Now, let's identify and that's a, one of the main focuses that I do in my type therapy which is I'm a big believer in subconscious work and the concept that I'm a huge believer in is Ein hadavar tulua elabi. everything is about us it means we're not going to take responsibility for the war in Uganda right now whatever's going on over there but when we interact with others a large part has to do with with us with where we are which means if you would have a difficult time getting along with yourself then once you balance that and you work on that, I wonder what will be different in your family if that if you would be able to change that. Why would you say it has to do with anything? Because I get on with my friends amazing. It's just my mother. Even with my family, I get on well. It's just a new thing. Okay. Um, so let's understand this concept. When you say you get along with others... It's the less attached we are to someone, let's say friends, let's say when you're going away, you can detach. You can be quiet and not need to interact with others. The more personal it is, the closer it is to us, the more we need to interact, the more we get triggered. Imagine a projector. It's the closer, the further the projector is from the wall, the bigger you see, but the less details you can see, the closer you get to the wall, the more details it is, the clearer the pixel, the pixel, pixels are. When we deal with family, we're dealing with core issues. That is why someone could be wonderful with friends, but the minute it's with family, we're bringing up all those issues that are within us. You could have someone that says, oh, I don't get along with my parents, but I get along with friends, and then they get married, and they're having such issues with their husband or with their wives or with their kids. Why? Because these are people that you can't run away from. Friends, I don't like you. I'm not talking to you. I'm making new friends. There is no True. commitment. The word commitment uh, is where we get emotion, where we get stuck. Now, if you're going to have an issue where your emotions are up, your emotions are down, means when you have to deal with something consistently and that you're not able to change, it will start causing all those emotions will start boiling. Now, when so someone... How does one become more consistent? What? So how does one become more consistent? Well, first of all, here's... Again, I don't want to use the word therapy. I don't like saying here's where you need therapy, but here's where you need to learn to master your emotions. Your emotions... Are your emotions ups and downs just when you are home, or is it also in school, in seminary? 
Just when I'm home. Just when I'm home. And when you're in seminary, how are you? Everyone thinks I'm this easygoing kid. I don't know. I'm not asking what everyone know, thinks on the outside. What are your emotions on the inside when you have exams, when you have midterms, when you have finals, when you have a friend that all of a sudden just became another one's best friend? Classical, classical issues that happen in seminary and in yeshivas. How do you react? Do you get down? Do you get very depressed? Do you shut down? Actually, yeah. Yeah. Okay, now define yeah. Yeah is like too general to me. I used words. I want to hear it from you. <laughs> I would get very, I'd get very down. I wouldn't trust anyone for the next half a year. And then I'll just have to restart. Okay, so let's understand. These behaviors or your, your way of dealing with issues is okay for younger kids. And as we get older, that's the beauty of the teenage years is where we have to learn to master our emotions. We need How to be able to, that? which means the point of the teenage years is for us to get ready that when we're done with the teenage years, you're now ready to build a house. You're, be, be, you're ready to be responsible. Imagine you get married, your husband says the wrong word. You shut down now for six months. What do you think will happen? Your child decides, can I have a baby that is up and just wants things. And as little babies are, they are want, they are takers, not givers. Of course, they're giving love and their smile, but... How will you deal with that when you're down? You've always got a point. You're right. That's I'm right. Learning how to deal with it. So therefore, when it happens at home, is you, you, it is now mirroring and it brings out the issues. So what I would like to really recommend is that you either find someone that you can speak to, a teacher, someone, and you got now work. Really, I'd really recommend a therapist that will just teach you how to deal with downers, which means when you're having a hard day, how to deal with it. When your friend says something, how to actually verbalize and how to communicate with that person. How not to think everything is personal, not everything is you. You might find that a lot of your mood swings might just be simply not having the tools how to deal with relationships. And that's usually where therapy comes in, where we guide you. It's usually a couple of months because you're going to have your ups, your downs. And, and as relationships happen, it happens a couple of times. Each time you'll deal with it better and stronger than the, than the time before. So when I say you need therapy, I don't mean you need therapy as in you're a problem. All I'm saying is you just need guidance how to go through life. I'm a huge believer in many yeshivas. They have like a magachir that's smart or a teacher, a seminary teacher that's very understanding. A lot of rabbitsons that we hear out there that are writing books that are very intelligent. They're great. You don't need to go for therapy. I feel you might first step is to just get some basic needs, some basic tools on how to navigate the process of life. So therefore, before we jump to its being the house, I would first say work on yourself and I wonder if we're going to see such a huge change at home. Mm -hmm. All right, then. Thank you so much for your You're very welcome. welcome. Thank you, sorry, for your question and for calling in. The number Thank to call you. in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Oh, we were just going to go to Yaakov, but I guess we are not going to go. The number to call in is 718 683 5858. Um, we're going to take a question over here. And here's where a lot going on about this dysfunctional situation. In response to the grandmother of the children that are not being parented properly, I grew up in a dysfunctional marriage parenting home. My grandmother invited a pair of us for Shabbos each week, sharing us with love and stability and schedule. Look back, it was, it was the best part of growing up. Thank you very, very, very much. And that is important. If I would tell you 
how many clients I've worked on where they've come from dysfunctional background and households, but they were able to say, I had that grandparent which showed me love. Yes, sometimes when they need to learn and when you got to ask them, is it possible to actually say no out of love? Is it possible to tell someone that right now I'd like to help you, but I can't? And most of the time they'll go to an aunt and uncle a best friend's parent, which when they slept there was able to say, now is bedtime, now you got to do your homework. They were able to go to those times. And yes, grandparents have that power. Do not, please, grandparents, do not try spoiling the kids of giving them everything, letting them be up late, saying, I'm giving them love. No, they, yes, they need the love. But yes, they also need to be taught one of the most important parts of regulation, responsibility, stability. And don't do that by just telling them what to do. Do it by emulating, by role modeling, by doing it yourself. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And the number, if you'd like to text your question or comment, is 347-927-8398. We're going to take over here another text. Tura Mordechai, I have an interesting question. A lot of times I got blamed on doing things in my life while others do the same action, the same action. The moment it's things I have to work hard right away, it doesn't come easy. Now I can't stop blaming myself for things I... Oh, messages are just coming, pouring in. Let's go see. Let's, let's try to read this. The moment I try to do like everyone, I get noticed. I'm doing something wrong or I don't know how to cover up properly like people cheating. All right, this is getting a little complicated. Let's just take the question on a simple level. And the question goes as follows. When someone does something and it affects you, what happened? and someone does the same thing and they get away with it, many times people start creating an image where people are only looking at me. One of the points I'd like to mention is that these are people that are emotional. What does emotions mean? Emotion means that they have a feeling and they seem to feel things. What does that mean that they feel things? That means that they have a higher, stronger radar system. That means that if someone does something and they do something, they will not notice the love and the rewards that their parents gave them. They'll notice how the other one got it. Oh, so we're just being asked to announce to please say to Hillam for Bela Bastoba. For Bela Bastova is a two-year-old girl that was put in the wrong car and never came home from playgroup. So for those of you listening, we should just say one capital to Hillam or whatever you'd like to say. The more that we daven for Bela Bastova, a two-year-old kid that was put in the wrong car and did not come home from playgroup. We're going to go to Yankee on line one. Yankee on line one, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, Mordechai. Good afternoon. Um... I was a counselor this past summer. We had the same exact thing you're talking about, about uh, with the grandparents, about one one showing love, one not showing love. Yes. We had the same thing about the counselors, one showing love and one not one having to be more more uh, more trying to educate the kids. Yes. Um, how do you same question? How do you deal with such a thing? Do you, do you uh, when one one can't one can't be like one one counselor more because of that? The good cop, bad cop. Exactly. But what is the question? How do you how do you deal with it in the beginning of the summer? Again, I need to let, let let me clarify what my question is. Is your question how do you stop the good cop bad cop? How do you get the bad cop to also look like a good cop? How do you get the good cop oh. to learn to be a little bit of bad cop? There's so much to that. Let's get a more of a detail. 
in the beginning of a summer, how do you how do you uh, start off in order that it shouldn't be like that? Again, I'm not getting the question. How do you get which part? How do you how do you how do you start off that they should both be even? Do you speak to the council before? Do you do you try not to be? Okay, so here is an interesting question, and what I like about this question is is and I'll more focus on the answer. The answer is education. There are three, I would really say two areas, but we'll add on this, two areas where we expect people to know things without any training. Means in the United States, if you want to be a social worker, you got to go to college, you got to have supervision, you got to have internship, you got to have supervision after you even graduate for about three years. You want to become an accountant, you got to get internship. You want to be a doctor, you've got a lot more internship. You want to become a Rav, you must have Shemesh. Every field in the world, you've got to have training. Do you know what's the two areas no one takes training at? Shalom bias and parenting. Now, I would add on to that a third area, which is now changing in many yeshivas, where they've got now institutions for that, and where you've got the wonderful organization of Torah Masora. In the Chinuch world, we're having Rebbeim, teachers, which might not have experienced behavioral training in how to actually run a class. It's not about if you know your Gemara. It's do you know how to teach the Gemara? Do you know how to deal with kids when they don't behave? And now let's extend that theory and put it to counselors. We're taking 16-year-olds, let's say, to be in charge of 7-year-olds, but the 16-year-olds were never taught how to be on top of stuff. They were never taught how to say no. They were never taught how do you deal with a kid that doesn't listen. So therefore, they're going to use their information of a 16-year-old, which is either yelling, shouting. They might want to get physical, which is illegal. You know, grab the kid, yell at the kid, throw them out. And there is no issue with a 16-year-old. The only issue is they didn't get training. And Baruch Hashem, there are several organizations out there for Rebbeim and for teachers now where they actually get training. How do you walk into the class? How do you run a chart system? What happens if a kid doesn't want to listen? What happens if a kid has issues because there are major stuff going on at home? It's actually discussed and trained. Make sense? So yeah. now the answer is, how do you have one kid not to be the good cop or the bad cop? It's more giving training ahead of time. Now, will that happen in the near future? I highly doubt it. But one of my dreams and goals are to sort of um, write a book or even run more of a, like a teaching quote, a sort of called an assertive teaching class, which will be, as we've done the parenting, which has a large yesoid of that, to have for Rebbeim and for anyone that would like to learn managing, managing skills. And that's really the same tools that are needed, how to say yes, how to say no. How to say it in a way that it's understood. It's not personal, but it's got to get done. How to make someone responsible for their tasks. And all these are manusoids that are used all over universally. These are used even in how to train animals, how to have a cat to use a litter box. There are simple ways that are universal and they work. So we'll see after the one day we'll get there. But the concept that you have that, yes, it is an issue. And part of it is because they're not just trained. Make sense, Rabbi Uncle? Yes, thank you. You're very welcome. You're going to go to Yehudas. We are going to go to Yehudas online too. The number to call in for your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. You're listening to your host, Mordechai Weimiger, LCSW. That's Licensed Clinical Social Worker. We're here to take any questions or comments that you have about the mental health field. Again, for those of you tuning in now, you can also watch us live on the jrootradio.com, on yeshivaworld.com, and on the lakewoodscoop.com. You'd also like to ask your question on the Lakewood Scoop. You can... Um, write in your question over there, and we focus on, and of course, on Yeshiva World on taking those first. 
Yehudis, you are on the air with Mordechai. Hello? Yes. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, fantastic. Good. Um, I had a question like this. I find myself to be a very uh, truthful person, consciously. I find it very hard for me to lie. Um, when someone does lie to me, or like even like it's, it's only like a white lie, I become very, very, very hurt about it. And I want to know like what I can do not to be so hurt every time. Ooh, this is going to be a little bit shady question and answer, and hopefully the, the flack or the comments won't be too tough. Let me clarify what I mean. In life, we need to learn, or the older we get, we learn a lot more shades of gray. That means there are points that are white, points that are black. The older we get, there's very little black and white. Teenagers see life as black and white. Either you're good or you're bad. The villain looks like a villain. The, the saint looks like a saint. It's not that way. There's a lot of gray area that's going on. Now, let's take it to your question. When someone has an issue, I cannot stand when someone lies. Many times my question would be to you, and you can choose to answer it, is why? What has happened in your past or what has happened within yourself that you feel that if someone lies, it gets you so annoyed? Is it that you don't know where you're holding? Is it that people used to manipulate you or lie to you? Is it that people used to trick you? You didn't feel safe. You didn't know where you're, what's, what's going on. And you can choose to answer them or not. I feel like sort of cheated. Yes. Now like every trusted person. I feel like you know, like very, you know, I feel like I, I was cheated, and I, I, I don't know where to put my trust. Okay. Now let me ask you this question: Everyone, on some level, there's going to be some white lie, something going on, because no one can but be perfect. Who it is. It's supposed to be somebody that I'm very close to, like my parents or whatever. And I find that like they sort of like you know said something to me, like they like beat around the bush or whatever, I'm going to be very hurt about it. And, I, I, you know, like it hurts me time and time again, and I just want to get at it. Okay. And here you've answered the question, which means, and sort of like that girl, that seminary girl that has come back, the question is as follows. Why is it with family members I get more triggered than with others? And the answer is the closer relationship you will have with someone, the more those issues will trigger you because it's your issue within yourself. I'm not blaming you. I'm just actually empowering you. For you to recognize of trust. So now we'll go to your childhood with your parents. Were they people that were very ambiguous? Would they try to get you to do things? And later you found out that it wasn't that way. Are they people that ask innocent questions, but you find out three, four days later they were very far from innocent. They were... Uh, fishing questions, trying to get into your personal life, and you found out then they did some some intervention, they did some action, that they got something to happen from the information that they got. And now when you speak to them, there is no trust. This... Uh, not really. So then let me ask you, let's shift the question to you. Why do you feel that around your parents, if they're not, if, they're, if it, there's a white lie going on that's not exactly clear, you get triggered? Why? I'm not sure. Why should? Why can't you trust them? People make mistakes. People would say something that once in a while they thought something, and right away you're jumping. Make an assumption. Take a guess. Take a guess. I don't know. The only like I I know that like when they do like you know like try to like you know I, I know understand they don't have to tell me everything because they're my parents, but like. It's not only my parents, it's like my siblings, you know, any family member. 
the closer they are, the more I get hurt. And I find, like, you know, like, they're trying, like, they're trying to hide things from me purposely. Good. Now, let me ask you a question. Lie. How old are you? I, I'd rather be open with me and tell me, I don't want to tell you this, as opposed to, like, lying to me and, and you know, trying to beat around the bush. Okay, let me ask you another question. Let me ask you a question now. How many years is this going on where you feel that they're not being direct? Is this just the last half of your year or is this all your life? No, it's, uh, I think, uh, as far back as I can remember. That's right. That's what I'm trying to illustrate. That when a person is being raised in a way that you're not feeling trusted or their words are not complete, means there's more to the story, you will not trust them. So the question is not why. It's very clear why. You're not being treated as an adult. You're not being respected as someone that can handle the age or situations based on your age now that you are. And you're being put in a certain level. That makes sense why there should be stress and, and, and anger. So imagine someone is a 35-year-old person that's Baruch Hashem raising children. And then a mother would tell them, do you know how to button your shirt? Let me show you how to button your shirt. Do you know how to hold a pen? Let me show you how to write the letter A. How do you think that person will feel? And then when you're 40 years old, do you know how to spell the word spell? Let me show you. S-P-E. And then you're frustrated. Does that make sense why you're frustrated? Um, it could make sense. I see what you're saying. But I don't think it's that because um, I don't have, like, the greatest relationships. So, like, my parents, like, don't mix into my life too much. Uh, well, we're not talking about an issue. We're discussing now when they trigger an issue where they are not treating you, where they're not giving you well, the maturity, well, the they're not giving... They wouldn't tell me what to do. They wouldn't tell me anything. Well, again, but they're still not telling you the yes. They're not... When, let's take your question again. Your question is, why is it when I get a white lie from my parents and not the whole truth, I get triggered? The answer is, and you're telling me, okay, so I'm asking you about A, and you're telling me I don't get triggered about B. I'm talking about A. You're saying that they're telling me they're not treating me like age-wise, If right? you were never given the feeling or the responsibility to feel like an adult where they can trust you and tell you information, when they will hide things from you or cover up things from you, you will still get triggered. Or if they still treat you as a little kid, oh, I can't tell you this, you will sense. still get triggered. So we're right, talking so about age. What? So is there something that I can do about it? Or oh, of course. That's where therapy comes in. And that's where, again, all this that we've done is cognitive therapy, getting you first aware, then making the shift. That is where you can speak to someone, which we're not going to be able to do on air right now. But, of course, there are tools and concepts. But this is step one. Step one is having you aware. You are not being triggered out of the blue. Whenever we have an emotional reaction, there is a very logical reason why. The issues will not go away when you're 10, when you're 30, when you're 60, or when you're 80. They will come up over and over, and they will be mirrored by different people until we work on our issues. That is why when people many times ask me, I only want to discuss the now, I don't want to discuss the past. It is important to discuss the past. It is important for you to recognize how it's mirrored your issues. It's important to find the cause and how you can also identify if you would do things or look at the view differently, different situations. Your response now will be different, but that's therapy. That's now 45 minutes of work for us to start doing that. Even this was a lot of work, which normally for the phone system, we usually, you know, for radio, we usually don't do. I've just done more just to help you get an awareness. Okay. So identifying and recognizing your emotions are valid and real. And yes, you yourself, within yourself, have the power to deal with that. 
All right. Thank you very much. I You're very you. welcome. I appreciate the bravery to call in and to ask your question. I appreciate everyone that's brave to call in and ask the question. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And those of you listening, we're on with your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. Um, listening live on 97.5 JRoot Radio. You can watch us live on jrootradio.com, on yeshivaworld.com, and on thelakewoodscoop.com. Here we'll take a text that we've gotten. Hi, Mordechai. Thanks for your amazing show. I'm a girl of marriageable age. Friends are trying to give me suggestions of guys. Being that my parents are quite hard to deal with and not all that well mentally, friends are trying to suggest people that have family issues such as divorce or they're adopted. Should I worry about dating such a guy? Does, does it work that way? It's going to affect me negatively later on. Thanks. Oh, wow. That's a very, very big question. Um, why is that? Because there's this concept that if someone comes from a healthy, quote-unquote, put-together family, then everything is okay. And if someone comes from a family where there's a divorce or a mental issue or an emotional issue, that means that they're screwed up. Absolutely not. What it might happen is that because they went through a, a challenge, they might be stronger, they might be more responsible, they might be more aware, they might be a much better spouse because they've gone through something. Now let's take it even more real. Just because someone's parents, quote unquote, are still together, or it looks that way from the outside, who said? Next point, maybe they've gone through everything and they were raised on this golden platter and they don't know how to go through the difficulties of life or their parents shielded them too much. Therefore, I am a very, very big believer and let's stop going into this concept who, what, where, when, because of our system, that's the way it is. Let's focus on the boy and the girl. Someone might have gone through a difficult childhood, might have had something. You're asking, how is this kid? Is this kid responsible? Does this person, is, does this person get along with others? Are they caring? Find out about the boy. Find out about the girl. Stop asking so much about the family. You want to make sure they're not bad people. They're not harmful people. And even if they are, still look at the boy and the girl because so many people come from a very difficult family or messed up family where the world does not know or the world does know. And these children are unbelievable gems. And we hear that all the time. And Arav Nissen over here, the director of J-Root, when we're on together in the evening times, as he said... And it's sort of brought many times. We would not be Mashaduch, Lahavdul, Chasashom, like with the Avois. They had a child at risk. Again, I feel, I don't even want to say these words, but in today's generation, if we would look into it, this one was over the Derech, this one came from a Balchuva family, this one was Megayer. Each of those points, would we touch it today? You look at the person, look at the Midos that are within. That's what we got to look at. So should you worry about a person? Yes, just as much as anyone else. If you know that there is an issue, let's make an assumption if someone finds out there's a medical issue, then you'll do extra checking in the medical area. You'll call up a doctor, is everything okay? If this person comes from a family, let's say, where one of the parents aren't good or someone suffers from depression or whatever it should be, find out, does this kid suffer from depression? If not, no, this is the cheeriest guy. Wonderful. <coughs> If this kid comes from a family, let's say, where the parents are divorced, does this kid have good relationship with his parents? Does this kid or, or adult now know how to get along with people? If it's okay, great. Does this person have more um, long-term relationships? Could they get along? Do they play one? Simple questions that you want to find out if someone was affected, but that's it. 
We got to start looking at the boy and the girl. We got to make sure they are compatible and stop looking about everything else out there. Because right after the wedding, after everyone is discussed, after Sheva Brachas, who is left? The couple. That's it. People are going to talk about when you get engaged, oh, to this one, what a great shit. Oh, why did they do it? That's all. And then they go on to the next topic to discuss. At the wedding again, this topic comes up. Oh, do you know who this was? Meshadach was so-and-so. And then after Shaver Brachas, no one looks at you. Do you know who you're going to be with 24-7? You are going to be the one that's living with your spouse. Make sure he and she is right. And that's great. Okay. Let's go to Aaron on line one. We've got Aaron on the air. Hi, Aaron. You're on with Mordechai. Hi. Um, my question is, if you know that a, you know someone close that, that's uh, falling through the cracks and you want to take care of him, what, uh, what uh, exactly could you do to help him out? This is, again, a very, very complicated question. And why is that? Let's... What? Oh, we're having a lot of noise in the background. Um, either you can go to a private place. Hello? Whoops, got disconnected. All right, Aaron, so if you can call back. Let's get the question. The question is, if you know someone, someone that's close, going through a difficult time, what do you do? And let's just take some of the scenarios and just talk real, not in theory land. In theory, we would say send this boy or girl, give them a lot of love, speak to them as much as you can, um, have them come to your house. Wonderful, that's fantastic. But now let's deal with some of the realities of it. If it's a family, let's say it's a brother and the parents are having a lot of issues, or sometimes the parents have to be very strong and they have to be assertive. And now this kid isn't liking it, so they're calling you up, brother, oh, or sister, or whatever it should be, please help me. Maybe they need the assertiveness. It's called splitting. Many times people go from one therapist to another. They like speaking to this one, to that one. You got to stay focused somewhere, which means if they're going through a tough time, you need to make sure it's under real help. So let's clarify this concept. Many times people want to give chizuk. Chizuk is okay. All right, Aaron, you're back. Aaron, let's get you back on. You're on? Yeah. Okay, so let's get more your question, because let me clarify. If someone's going through a very difficult time and they need a therapist, let's take the example, someone's got a broken leg. They don't want to go to a doctor, and now the parent sort of wants to tell them, you know what, I feel so bad, just lay in bed and I'll bring you breakfast, I'll bring you lunch, I'll bring you supper. I'll take care of your kids, I'll work for you. Is that healthy? Yes. Is it healthy for the parent to take care of the oh, kid? Healthy. Oh, healthy. Is it healthy? No, it's going to harm the kids. What do you got to do? You got to say, let's say, you got to say, you got to go to the doctor. You got to get a cast. You got to do what's needed and move on. When a person goes through a tough time, we need to identify what's needed. You might need someone to give chizik. You might need someone to almost do what I call emotional surgery. Therapy is emotional surgery. When you say someone's going through a hard time, can you clarify, let's say, what a hard time means and what your question is? Well, you don't really know the situation. Do you yeah, know the situation? You don't really. You just see that he's he's um, following along with the other other guys that uh, you know he shouldn't be hanging around with. Okay, so my first belief is to notify those in charge. It means the yeshiva has to know. Parents need to know as gentle as possible, because then something can get done. So if you'd like, you can connect to the person. You can show or connect, but. When you connect, you need to be ready to get involved. That is the difficulty. When someone starts getting involved and then they see it so much involved and then they back out, that sometimes can be more harmful. Uh-huh. 
I'm a huge believer in giving, giving chizuk. I'm a huge believer in getting involved. But getting involved means start doing the best that you can. If it gets hot, get advice. So if you see someone hanging around someone that isn't doing well, maybe ask offer to do one little bit. How would you like to learn at a lunch seder? How would you like to learn on Shabbos? I hear, how, I hear. Connect. But if you want to get involved, speak to those that are closer. Speak to the Rebbeim. Speak to the family. Can I help in any way? Does the family notice it? Speak to the and kid. The guy, the, she said about putting him, learning with him. Should you, how much should you force if the guy, if the, if the kid could be the kid's not really so interested? He's up to whatever's on on the streets, whatever's outside. Again, how that's much? why I feel the question is almost like telling me I have a chest pain. You know, it could be a massive heart attack coming up. It could be nothing. You're asking me like like something that it takes therapists several sessions just to evaluate how deep is the problem, what's going on. When you hear a kid is never going off the derech, you have no idea how, what deep evaluation must go on. Is it the kid's issue? Was there trauma? Is there an issue that there are some abuse going on? Is there parents that are missing a lot of tools? Was it something that happened in yeshiva? There are so much going on, and before you help, you got to know what that is. So you're asking me now, how do you just help someone that's having a difficult time? Or someone that's going off? Depends how close you are. Depends if the person wants to open up to you. Depends if the, sometimes therapy can take three months. Many times people go, oh, this guy's going to a therapist for a long time. Sometimes the therapist is, needs to take three months just to open up, to create what's called a therapeutic alliance, a therapeutic connection. If this kid was ordered, bossed around, told what to do by so many people, the parents usually tell the therapist, go ahead, take my kid and tell him to do so-and-so. And many times I tell the parent, let me understand, you've tried that, the, the Rebbeim have tried that, teachers have tried that. It hasn't worked. You've had the Rebbe and Shul speak to them. You've had every friend you've tried to have the friend's parents. It didn't work. Why do you think if I do it, it will work? And many times these kids don't want to hear anything that it takes months of work. The more messed up or the more was the kid was tried to be manipulated, the deeper the pain is going to be, the less you can tell till you could get in there. So I feel your question is a great question. It's just so ambiguous that I need an actual detailed question about a specific point. If you'd like to help children that might be interested, there are some wonderful organizations that are, let's say, working with children or teenagers that are off the derech. Our place... You can volunteer in, in OL. They have places where there's a big brother, big sister program where you can help out kids that are actually asking for help, that are hanging around, where you can just connect, just be a healthy person. You might have fun. Look at your own siblings, brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces. Why do we always have to run when it's the emergency, when the fire is burning? Let's try a little preventative. You sound like a person that's intelligent. Go ahead, start working on the inside stuff before. An ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. Thank you, Aram, for Thank your question. You. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 763-5858. Your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW, that's licensed clinical social worker. We are going to go to Yechiel on line three. You're on the air with Mordechai. And Mordechai, I have a question. The, uh, last week, uh, they had on the J radio about the Nazi, you know, with the, with the Shaduchim. And there was a major phone called in, and he wasn't answered so well. I just want to know what your opinion is about the difference between a 21-year-old and a 23-year-old regarding maturity. I'm not asking you that you should pass in doctorate about, you know, if it's more important you should learn before the class or, 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 or get married first and, and you won't be learning as much or whatever. 
you know, we're looking for money, whatever the, the, the das Tere Shilohs are. I'm just asking us maturity, going to Israel, and then the fact that you need a freezer. He said one of the biggest Shilohs told me you need a freezer for four months to, you know, get off the Askeris to Israel. So I want to know, and Rebel Yiver Shilohs from, he was a, if I'm, he went there to Israel, and he, he and the Rashivas weren't, he didn't influence the Rashivas, or they held different than him. So I just want to know, out the Chinuch perspective, uh, do the boys actually become more mature in those two years in Eretz Israel? Okay, so I'll just give you my thoughts, opinions. We're not going to now go into the position of Eretz Israel or not, because that's, I let the Gedolim deal with that, and those that are speaking to the Gedolim. I believe the more mature a person is, let's, let's rephrase it differently. For a person to get married, I would like to hear that they have several levels. Number one, they're able to be responsible. Responsible in my term of responsibility means when it gets tough, you continue. Means you are consistent. Not like Bacharim or sometimes girls are going, I don't like this teacher, so I dropped out of class or I don't do it. No, responsibility means it's tough and you'll do it. Which means, if you've got to learn and you're up all night with a crying baby, if if this is your job, you're going to be in Kailo. Just like if you got a job and the baby is up and you don't go to work, you will get fired. That is responsibility. If you're not ready to go to work or to stay in Kailo when your kid is up, you're not responsible. One. Okay. St- hold yeah. on, hold on. Step two, what responsibility is, or what I feel is in order to, for a person to get married. Can you see the other side? How many times do you know teenagers, boys and girls, that are, I don't like this guy, so I just don't talk to him. I disagree with this one. This Rebbe, oh, or this teacher, I don't want to get along with, or I don't speak to them. What happens if that's your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your brother-in-law, your sister-in-law, or what happens if your wife triggers you? Are you also going to not speak to them now? So... These are the points that I feel that are needed, some of the major points. So number one is responsible. Will you do what's needed, even though it's tough? Will, do you know how to get along with people? The next point is, can you take the zich out of it? I need to be comfortable. It has to go my way. Are you able to think of another? Give. Each of these points are some, and there's a whole long list, which I actually have a program on my phone right. line, how before you get married, what are the main yesidas or the ten ikr yesidas before you get married to know that you have in order to be responsible. Yeah, so now let's, has, uh, yeah. now let's take a step back. I'm a big believer, just my opinion, and oh, let's do it this way. How do I believe from experience that I see that people get responsible and they learn to think about others by being having positions? I'm right. a big believer in having a kid be a counselor in camp, having a waiter job, having a boss on top of you. Because it starts teaching you responsibility where you got to go out of your little circle. Right. Now, in that level, if a kid is mature without that, and they're able to do it without going to Eretz and the parents and his maskim, go ahead, forget about the number age. I do find that the more sheltered we keep someone, the more they need to be on their own. And my personal opinion is that's one of the strengths of Eretz we're Bacharim, and even girls, where they need to start fending for themselves. A Bachar doesn't have anyone making sure. supper. No. They got to start getting Shabbos meals, two meals, and girls have the same thing. Where are they going to for Shabbos? It makes you responsible. You're away from mommy and Tati for the first times for girls, and it's right, for especially if you're an in towner like. That's right. That's right. Time. So I am not going into now. Is Eretz good? Should you cut out the year in Eretz Should you maybe cut out the third year of Bismedrish and send it? I'm not going into that. That I let the Gedolim decide. All I do know is. 
All, wait, let me just finish. All I do know is that what I find is a large percentage of divorce rate in our firm world, from my experiences, when it's one or two of the spouses were not ready for marriage or did not master this level, and we just married them off because now is the age. So if this person needs to be put into boot camp, send them to Eretz Yisrael, don't let them get married until they're responsible, give them jobs, go ahead and do that. But make sure when they're ready, they are ready. Do you want to throw okay, your child's life out there or, or mess it up? That's your choice, but don't do it to someone else. Right. Go ahead. What is your question? Then we're going to go to a couple more. So does that okay, basically okay. answer your question, yeah. first a, of a all? Very short question. A very short question. That as far as my impression is, I, I look into you a lot, and I, my impression is that you feel that like even Yeshiva Bacher, even Yeshiva, like, they should, uh, you know, they should have a little bit more social, um, you know, psychology, more oriented. Is that, is that true? Like, I don't, again, when I say words like that, I could almost hear being misconstrued and getting calls, which I get in my oh, office. Okay, okay. How could you say we have to teach psychology to all our Bachram? Like, I could just hear the way that question came. Oh. <laughs> and for so many of you listening, like, you think it's just a simple question, but if you know the calls that I get, or sometimes the comments that I get, Right, is right. is uh is quite I'm interesting. Whatever, whatever reason it ended up like that. It's made, it's Let's put it this way. One of like my that, goals, right? again, as we've mentioned earlier, is I I've got some goals, Mertesham, for the future, and a large part of this phone of this radio, this phone line that I do, questions and answers is for awareness. While I don't know if a yeshiva system will bring it in or not, or depends which yeshiva, quote unquote, if it's a better yeshiva or not. We're not going into that, but the large part of the J-Root that we need to thank them, we need to realize, Rav Nissen, a man is a person of vision. He has said, we feel that the radio people are listening, we need some emotional information going on. The Lakewood School, the Yeshiva world, they're saying there is a need today, and we're publicizing that, and you can watch reruns of this because okay, of the need. So I don't know if everything has to be brought into the yeshiva. I don't know if maybe we need to give some of the rebbeim some training. I don't know if we have to give... I, I sort of try not to get into systems, say, do this. I am a huge believer in our gedolim. I'm a huge believer that the gedolim right. are aware of what's going on. I just had this chus of being with one of the biggest gedolim in the Litvish world last night. It was an honor to be there. And right. again, I was like an hour and a half into hear the chachma that is gotten there. So let's understand. The gedolim know what they're doing. And let's take it a step further. I believe in the Rabbi Nishleilam. And one step out of a time, he is running it exactly the way he would like. So if... Okay, so I'm asking you a question, a very short question. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I want to know, if, as far as psychology goes, would it be better if the boys get married younger and take on the responsibility? You know, that would bring the psychology into the yeshiva world? Or it wouldn't make a difference. First, I don't That's know how someone getting married brings answer. psychology into the yeshiva world. I think we're talking about two different levels here. Psychology into yeshiva world because they're married. So what you're saying is we should create marriage problems, so this way we'll bring psychology in? Is that your question? No, or let's look in a positive way. They'll have an addition of marriage to their... All right, so let me ask you then the question this way. Then in that case, maybe we take a six-year-old and just put him by learning Gemara. No, well, I'm saying that already is too uh, out of the range. I'm asking, this, this already is... Who said what, what, what is the gather? So what I'm telling you is to be, to, marriage is a huge commitment. It's a huge level. is going to give them a bracha to bring children in. You've got to be able to handle it. This is life yeah. and death. 
Children right. bringing people into this world is an achrayas. Are they ready for that? Again, I'll review those points. Are they responsibly ready to deal with the commitment of marriage? And if not, there's a divorce. If not, I, there I are fights. If not, you've got kids going off to derach. It's something we don't discuss a lot. But how many people do you know that, unfortunately, there are people that are taking their lives? And I don't want to discuss that much. But it exists. Uh, now, I want to clarify. I believe marriage is a huge 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 responsibility i do not believe you can take someone put them into the marriage into a huge responsibility that's the reason why we don't give a seven-year-old to drive a car because right. it's a life and death it's chaim and mavis in their hands right. marriage is not something that i would you know what i would experiment on i would have this right. guy sort of run a bunk you would want to experiment somewhere i feel bad for those kids maybe not i would let this guy run your business a little I'll give you, I'll have you take uh -huh. this guy to try to do something where people's lives are not at stake. Only simple thing as money. Would you give this guy $5,000 to just blow of your money to learn? No, I'm saying I wouldn't, I'm not going to ask him that I should do that. I'm just asking you. So I want you to realize when you're saying marry them off young so they should learn, I would like to do it. I'd like to recognize we don't jump into the Kipshan Hayesh the first step. There's a process. And a lot of people... I just want to, is it a boost in psychology to get married? Everything in life is a boost. Is it a boost in psychology if you're going through a tough time? Of course. The yeah, answer is, are you ready for that? The question is, do okay. you do that? Right, I'm saying, but as far as... It, it's not black... I will not answer that question. That is not a black and white question. Okay, the answer is, is the person ready for the responsibility? That is the answer. I'm not sure why you're not getting it. Because I want to, on the pros and cons of marriage, uh, uh, this I would like you to, you know what, let me ask you, let me ask, have you answer that question. If the person's not ready, is it pro for this guy now to get married? Will he learn how no, to deal no, with marriage? No, not. Wait, hold on. Not. So what is not. now the answer to your question? So you answer that question. Because now I'm saying some boys are, maybe if they have the boys already and half the boys are not. So if you make this tacon or whatever of getting, not going there to sell, so then uh, as far as it will be a plus, as far as that they'll be, be again so you're trying to stick to your black and white question and i've answered you that i'm not going to answer to cut out a year or this that i'm saying it's the person is ready or not rabbi Chil, okay, for your question okay, we are going to go to further we've got Leia waiting so we are you're you so very much. welcome i appreciate it we're going to Leia on line two you're on the air with mordechai uh Leia on line two <clears throat> Someone, um, I have a relative of mine whose child was diagnosed with borderline PDD. Is that on the... Wait, borderline PDD, wait, wait, tell me, please spell it out, because I'd like people to hear it, and I just... What does PDD stand for? Person, uh, personality disorder or something. So you're talking about BPD, borderline personality disorder? Of course, PPD is, uh, is, uh, is on the spectrum, it's something else. You know what, I I'm not sure. All right. So... Can you clarify both of them then? One is an autistic diagnosis and one is a personality disorder. It doesn't mean personality disorder that they have a bad personality. Um, so I think it's the one on the autistic spectrum. Okay. So, so what is that? PDT, like Peter, David, Tom? No, it's more like PPD. Peter, Peter, um, David. Oh, PPD. Yes. Okay. 
And what is that? Uh, well, that first of all, I just need to clarify, I am not an autistic specialist or someone that understands that. There were various diagnoses along the spectrum, which has just been changed now in 2014, the DSM-5, since it's come out. There was a diagnosis called Asperger's, which I was just told was removed, and different things. But basically what it means is there are many levels on what that is. And someone can have a level where they're very smart, they can learn, they're very clear with black and white stuff, but they have a difficulty socializing. And they can be brilliant in some areas, they could just be regular in some areas, you cannot tell. But it can be a trigger to many different family members. So I really need, like, more information about that, how severe, there are different numbers in what level the person is diagnosed and really what level. But in reality, I would really tell you, we need someone that deals with that. I, my specialty is is really everything else but that. I am probably okay, so able... that's why I was asking. So I want to know if it's on autistic spectrum. She asked me if I can help her find out, you know, what to do with the child. So I didn't know, should we go to an autistic school or to a different type of school? Well, like, again, they can make this... Many times they're diagnosed, you want to make sure who diagnosed it. That's a specialist, not someone that's just a social worker that says, oh, they look like that. I'm, I'm a social worker. Even if a psychologist, you want someone that has experience in that area. Because I feel it is a more serious diagnosis to diagnose. And I have seen many people that were misdiagnosed. So the many times the evaluation can be cost can be costly, it can even be two and a half thousand dollars or up to five thousand dollars. Sometimes you could get it from the Board of Ed, you know, just wait on the waiting list. I would really tell you to go to someone that is a specialist in diagnosing this because the whole method can be different. Someone can be PPD on the spectrum and actually go through the yeshiva system, just have a little bit of a difficulty with friends. Sometimes they can have a major difficulty with friends. Sometimes they might just need a containment class in a regular yeshiva. Sometimes they might need a more hardcore you know, uh, yeshiva or school which deals with, with people on the autistic level. It all depends on the case. I've yeah. seen cases where they're married for 40 years and the husband and wife are complaining about issues. And to me, it's pretty clearly that the person's a drop, a touch on the spectrum, but they're able to build a life and do all that. So it really depends what and on what level. And for regular PDD, that's not on the spectrum, though. Wait, there's BPD, borderline personality disorder. It's a complete different thing. Right, okay. So I really, the information I'm giving you is very ambiguous. It's very general because the question really is very general. And it needs right. to be asked to someone that's a specialist. Like I would ask you, call, you know, whichever centers they have, Hush or wherever, you know, um, what's it called, Mishkan, and some of the other places where they deal with. I actually have a friend of mine that I travel with often, the Women's League. It's an organization of something where they will have, where they deal with people on the spectrum, and they will be able to guide you to therapists that have experience in that area. Okay. Thank you for your question. I really appreciate so far the callers, everyone calling in with a wide array of questions. It's not focused on one area. Thank you. We're going to go to line five to Alexander. And just before we go to Alexander, the number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858, And there is a lot of questions coming in through texting. Guys, please ask. We're focusing more on the... We're focusing more on the callers. Alexander, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, I have a loaded question. Okay, and that, I guess we'll let you do that because you've held so long on the line, so I appreciate you holding. I've been dealing over 20 years with children. I run different children's groups, Shurim, other groups, and Medlish, whatever. And every once in a while I come across kids with problems. 
I'm not a psychologist, a brain specialist. But these are normally kids from large families, sandwich kids, Swedish families, and this problem, this trouble. The kids are acting out in school, they're acting out in medicine, acting out at home. Sometimes they get involved trying to open up the child and figure out what to do and various degrees of success. What is a general derech that I can use? How would you recommend going about it for somebody without psychology background? But I've been around this long enough that I picked up some stuff. I do talk to psychologists when I go to seminars or conferences or whatever. Great. I so I look at you as a paraprofessional. And, and bounce stuff over them. But for children, I'd like to hear from you. So first, let's, let's, let's first um, sort of empower you. Some of my best friends or that I trust that I feel that are fantastic um, helpers or healers, let's say, with people aren't licensed at all. They have a lot of chachmas achayim. They have a lot of experience. They've spoken. They have awareness. And let's even take the organization like Relief and Echo, where they're not licensed professionals, but they refer to people. They speak to therapists. They are very, very, they are very, very, I'm sorry, just got distracted reading texts and messages that are coming in. They are, they have a lot of experience and they are very knowledgeable. So I am not a believer that only someone that's licensed can deal with things. Many organizations has volunteers where you have a supervisor on top that's licensed, but the actual work is being done by volunteers and they do fantastic, amazing work. That's one of the beauties that I like about the whole coaching system that came in. In the coaching system, all it does is you can get it as long, as early, as little as 16 hours, as much as six years to, you know, or, or six months of, of training. But you're not therapist, which means you don't go into the Shirish or you might try. But there are certain trainings and supervision that you're guaranteed that you know how to deal with, you know how to diagnose, you get a special training. So now let's take it to your level. If we recognize that everyone has got their job, that means the therapist needs the coaches. The therapist need the rebellion. The therapists need the people to do, let's take it you, to be the big brother, the mechanuch that will speak. That is extremely important, and we're all a complete, we're part of a complete system. If you only have one person doing that part of the circle, it's not going to work out. So step one is, those of you that are in the chinuch system, those of you that have someone, a nephew, a niece, your own children, learn with them, connect to them, open up, speak to someone, get guidance, take courses, like you said, you go to that. That's step one. Now let's go to your question. Your question, I want to actually, if we can clarify, what is exactly your question? What's the method in having a kid open up? What's the method? I went to Rabbi Tversky and Dr. Mark, you know these people, right? Yes. And they gave me some drachim for, for Bachem, because my experience has been basically with children and then with adults. Bachem, my joke is they go to, the brains go to lunch when they're 13, they come back when they're 25. Actually, because that's when they're maturing, they're trying to find themselves, they're rebelling or whatever. I can't. So they worked up, I worked up a derech with them. If I do face it, how to go about it. But I'd like to have something more organized with children because I'm facing a couple of situations. And I'm not quite sure. My, all my old tricks aren't working. I can't tell you what because the parents are probably listening on the phone. Okay, so let's, let's first start that way. I have on my phone line, I have an hour program. It was actually sold in stores. Um, it was called, let's say, the number one reason why teens go off the derech. The real point wasn't, it was more a marketing title, but the purpose of it was to give the main yesidus of what a teenager needs, that if we can give that to them, then you're going to find there's no need to go off, and that's also one of the main secrets how to get them back. 
And there are some main points. Number one, which is in any type of therapy practice or connecting, which is a saying that I like quoting a lot, and that is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. First step in order to connect to teenagers, they want to know that you care. Second point, and then again, in that, in that program, I've got a lot of major points that are brought out over there, or I elaborate, but they want to know that there's a goal. Teenagers need to know that you believe in them. What, what do you see in them? I see you as a great person. Teenagers have a lot of questions. They have a lot of misconceptions because they're starting to realize their brain is opening up to this time to have a perception of the world. And as they're getting a perception, it's still limited based on the kids. They are semi-kids. At the same time, they're semi-adults. And this stero that goes on, these opposites, and many times they just need to run it by an adult. If an adult will knock them down, oh, you're thinking like a kid, that's so crazy, then they will feel threatened, they will shut down, they won't open up. The, the way I've been taught, normally you try to get the, if it's by teenage, you try to get the open up. I usually try to ask them, how do you see yourself? Get a vision of yourself, you know, face, what you, whatever. And then how do you see yourself in five years? Where do you want to be? And they're like, huh, what's five years from now? And they didn't even think about now. You know, have a vision of yourself, believe in yourself, and see that you can actually do something, and that's empowering. But that's for Bochum. Going back to children, which I'm facing right now, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, how do you recommend I start this process if my normal tricks for most of them don't work? <laughs> um, I, th I would start with the first step. People don't know how much, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Okay. Care. How could that 10-year-old feel you really care about them? That's the answer. I can tell you, Kanai Nahara, I've had several thousand successful cases. We're at that number. I think I've had 10 or, or just about hitting 10 people that chose to say, okay, I don't want to come back again. The first point in therapy is not to tell the person, oh, you're a problem, you're this and that. First thing is, what are you here for? What would you like to grow in life? Sometimes parents would send me someone. If someone's coming in, I'm here for my marriage. I go, okay, okay, that's what you came in for. But what are you really here for? Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to find happiness? Do you find stress? Let's go to the person. Who is that person? Okay. It's all across the board. This is the same secret for a two-year-old. This is the same secret for an 80-year-old. With Be a six and eight year old, it's easier because then you can deal emotionally. And not then true. Well, okay, no, then maybe it is for you. Then get. Time. I when find teenagers extremely nine, easy. 11, it gets more difficult, especially if there are problems that I can't open up so easily. Well, then that's the process, and that's therapy. That's why teenagers is a longer, is a diff more difficult process because they're missing a lot of information. They assume that they are. So you might need to slow. Teenager. What? I'm saying pre-teenager because it's a different mindset from nine to, to, to ten, nine to eleven, than a thirteen-year-old. He's not rebelling yet. He's still looking for your acceptance. He's not trying to fight you that much. My friend, at this point, it's all hands-on. I would need to tell you it's hands-on. I would need to see your style, and I would need to see how you're doing it, and I would need to understand. And just to give you information, sometimes specialize in an area. If you have a great connection in one area, great connection with a different age population, you can choose to grow and practice with another one. Who said you got to deal with everyone? Find what you connect with. Just do it. It's just that they're great kids, and it's a shot to let it go. Okay, well then, there's that's part. One of the trainings that we get in supervision is how to let go. We are not the rabbinic line. We cannot heal everyone. We cannot do everything. 
If you're going to focus on what you cannot do, this field will knock you out. I can tell you the amount of therapists that had to leave because of the guilt of not sleeping at night. I can tell you in my office how attacked I get by so many different people. Why don't you take this case? You have to do this. You should be more available. You would have no idea what attacks I get on a daily level. How, oh, by the way, how are you available off the air? I'm not. <laughs> not right now, unfortunately. This is the chesed I do. This is the way. I'm not. I need to, I put, I have a major, I have a major emphasis, I have a major emphasis in taking care of my family. I have a major emphasis in being a husband to my wife, being a father to my child, being a person to myself. This field will throw most people, I've, if I would give you a list of wonderful, great people that care about others, that want to get involved, that get involved, they say, I just couldn't handle it, they're calling me all day, they're upset at me for this, I got involved, the case was too big, I couldn't get out of. I just don't want to touch therapy. Oh, how do you do it? This is classic, and that's part of the system in social work school and in psychology, where you have a supervisor guiding you the two years while you're doing it and the three years after. And then you still go for help. I still go for supervision. It doesn't need to be cold supervision, but I get inner work on myself. You need to realize that. I've dropped my cell phone about now, actually it was a day after Sukkot, because I made a family time, and I made up that I'll spend time with my family, and the entire family time was basically answering phones and apologizing to people why I can only speak for 15, 20 minutes, and they go only that, and it's an hour and a half. I've dropped my cell phone for specifically that reason, so I am not available other times. I will be available to my wife and kids, to myself. This, my friend, part of what you need to learn, part of the training is how to be able to say this I can do and this I cannot do. And this I will let the Rabbeinu Shleilam, the Rabbeinu Shleilam's got a lot of shluchim, a lot of amazing people out there and to say, at this point, I cannot be the right shleich for something else. Thank you for your question. We are going to go to Freydi on line one. Freydi on line one, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yes, Hello. Yes, thank you for Can holding. You yes. Yes, thank you. Um, first of all, thank you very much for your programs. I listen to your hotline. I really enjoy it. Yes. Um, just got one question. Um, I have a bit of a difficulty. It's going on for quite a long time already, getting out of bed in the morning. Well, I can see the inspiration and the logic is there, but the action just doesn't happen. I can have 20 reasons why it's supporting me to get out of bed, I've got loads and loads of things to do today, and I just, nothing moves, I just don't get out of bed, just want to know if you could... Okay, so let's, first of all, I will spend more time on this caller, on you, because I see you're an educated consumer, as we call it. You've listened to so many, so, several of my programs. So let me educate with the, the listeners now, or actually inform the listeners that I've listened to words that you just threw out there. My therapy or my theory, one of the ways that I um, evaluate a person when they come in is I call the ILA theory. I stands for inspiration, which is subconscious. L stands for logic, which is the cognitive ability or awareness that the person has. And A stands for action, which is behavioral. It's not my own. Everything that I've taken, I can show you the Makar or the theoretical approach where it came from. But when I evaluate someone, we put all three together to see how they are. Is the person subconscious saying, I'm successful, I'm a winner, today will be a great day? Then logic, does the person know what to do when they need to do something? So as we mentioned and before the question about marriage, does the person have the information and the tools how to deal with marriage? Then comes the last level, which is action. 
You might feel great about something, you might know how to do something, but now will you actually do it? And many times in public speaking, and that's where behavioral therapy comes in, just do it. You have someone, that's where coaching comes in. Coaching is not supposed to be talking about your past. Coaching is not supposed to really reframe your mind that much. That's more logic therapy. It it borderlines in that area, but coaching is really about do it. What's your goal? What's holding you back? How are we going to overcome that resistance? Now succeed. And that's where coaching comes in. So now what you're saying is your eye, your inspiration is high. Let me ask you, when you're in bed, how do you feel about your day? Do you feel great? Do you feel fantastic? Or do you feel, oh, there's so much to do. I don't know where to start. No, I'm really looking forward. You know, every day I think I'm going to, um, you know, accomplish a lot. All right, just hold a second. We were just announced there's, I feel, a huge mazel tov or a success, Baruch Hashem. We were said to Hillam, and we've mentioned that a girl, Bela Bastova, a two-year-old, was put in the wrong car, and she hasn't come home, and everyone's concerned. We're davening. Baruch Hashem, the girl was found. So we were just announced that the girl was found, Baruch Hashem. So Baruch Hashem, tefillas were answered, and a happy, beautiful ending. And let's just pay attention and really take care of our kids. Now there's so much is happening, it's possible for us to lose focus. And let's remember our children, the most important ones, to stay focused. Baruch Hashem, Belo Bastova was found. All right, so let's go back. So I'm, I'm asking a specific question here. When you wake up, are you yes. feeling I've got so much to do? Yes or no? Yes. Are you feeling overwhelmed? I don't know what to do first. Um, sometimes yes, and sometimes not. Okay. Are you so feeling... I feel need to plan the night before when I write down something. Sometimes I... I don't know. Okay, so all of those are the I and the inspiration. Sometimes people think inspiration means, do I think I'll be successful? Or I know what to do. That's the logic. That's not the I. Many times the inspiration is when the person feels overwhelmed, it means the inspiration, the subconscious, is actually overloaded. And you give it a low number. If a person feels, I know I can be successful, that's logic, but inside I have doubts. When I got to do it, I feel such fear. It can be normal fear, but it can also be a weight of inspiration, heaviness, of doubt, of other failures that's holding you back. So what I'd like so you to realize... Me if I... What? So you're asking me a question now? Yes. Your eye, is it really a healthy and strong eye or do you have a lot of experiences of failure that you call failure and you're going, oh great, if I got to do this, I probably won't succeed? No, I, I actually have a bit of the opposite problem that I never, I don't think I ever have failures. Baruch Hashem, everything goes really successfully. I work and I enjoy my work and I, and I, I don't think of... Okay, then the way to get out of bed, if it's, let's make the assumption that it's just behavioral, and I've had that with a client that was a beautiful success, where a client came to me and said, I've been all over and I can't get out of bed, and I realized all this person needs is really a behavior. I'll tell them, okay, have someone call you up and make sure you're out of bed. And sometimes they have like those phone systems where it's a great system where they, you have to dial certain numbers to prove that you're up, and I go, that's not good enough for you. You need someone to call you up and you'll call them back the minute you're out the house. You just might need that responsibility where someone will be on top of you and say, that's what you got to do and I will be and I'll call you back if you didn't do it while you're not out the house. Set up a behavioral system. Behavior means actual doing it. You do it, you're done. If not, you're not. Many people find that when I have to catch a plane at 6 in the morning, I could get up. But if I don't have that behavioral, that push, I can't get out of bed before 9, 10 o'clock. It's needing to be behavioral. That's the focus. Behavior isn't feelings. Behavior is not knowing what to do. Behavior is someone's going to say, get out of bed. I'm on the phone. I'm waiting for you. 
Sorry, say that again. Uh -huh. so all the logic and reasoning won't really help. That's right. And that is exactly why behavioral, where behavioral therapy comes in. They don't talk about feelings. They don't talk about logic. It's just do it. All right. Mm -hmm. I would like okay, to... Thank you. Thank much. you. You're very welcome. I would like to um, just clarify. Someone has texted us that I've actually made a mistake when I said that it's PPD for developmental for autistic level. It's actually PDD, pervasive. Uh, persuasive developmental disorder. So the letters that I've said was actually um, wrong. We'll look into it, find out. Uh, thank you for that information. We're going to Chaim online too. Chaim, you're on the air with Mordechai. Chaim online too. Hello. Ah, the Reb Chaim. Yeah. Hello. Hello? Yes, Chaim. Yes, hello. My question is regarding um, a boy about uh, 12 years old. And um, a very, he can be a very responsible boy. I um, mean, very mature. Um, he does uh, show uh, symptoms of possible ODD or ADD. He definitely is, has ADD. Um, he can very, very, be very defiant. Um, academically, he does excellent, very, very intelligent boy. Um, my question is, this boy uh, does not, for the summer, let's say, he does not want to go to any, any program, just wants to be on his own. What, um, you know, any suggestion of any camp, he doesn't want, to, doesn't want to hear of it. What would I be able to suggest for a boy like that? You've thrown letters out there which actually mean a lot. ODD, Oppositional Defined Disorder, ADD, or ADHD as it's called today, Attention, hyper, attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. A lot of this depends on the issues. We need to know, is he really ODD? We're throwing diagnosis out there which can be pretty serious diagnosis. And we want to make sure that's that. We want to make sure that you also have the skills how to deal with difficult child. Right, okay. So it might not have any of those letters a kid that can manipulate the parents will mirror ADD, will mirror ODD. And it's okay. really just the advanced parenting skills, as I call it, or I call it parenting, boot camp parenting skills for a strong personality, for leader personalities. Many okay. kids that are born with a stronger nature doesn't make them a letters. It means that we need extra skills how to deal with that. Okay. So I plan on I'm taking now this summer a five-day course and a certain diagnosis just to better with Siata Deshmaya, my tools, to have another tool in the toolbox for a heavy diagnosis. Will I need to use that? Chances are not that much because I don't want to specialize in that area and I want to focus on what I try to focus on. But does my toolbox need to be built? Of course. So I would recommend that you, that for a 12-year-old, this is an important age for you to build your toolbox to find out what is a parenting class or speak to a Rav. There are some Machanchem, some Shiurim, where they have great great information, great tools, some rebellion that I hear all the time where parents says, oh, my kid is great in class, but I don't have any tools. Maybe speak to that Rebbe, tell him, listen, we need some of the tools that you do in class, how to do that. I'm a big believer in that, or ask the teachers. They are a wellspring of information. They have behavior. Those that are successful down pat. They know it. No, I, I may have rephrased, I'll, I'll rephrase the question again. I mean, okay. Um, 
Um, the question, when I say academically excellent, in other words, brain-wise, he's excellent. He can do excellent. Behavior-wise, it is an issue both in class and more so at home. That's the situation. So he's, okay, so again, the answer to this is we need boot camp parenting. You okay. need parenting skills, and I don't mean that you're not having it, for the tough diagnosis, for the ADD. Right. For the ODD, it's a different skill. It's not something I can, even when we have parenting questions, like I can't do that because it's a matter of a skill. Practice. What are you successful at? Because we know where you won't be, and then now interact, now create the next level. So the answer is find out who is someone, find out, let's say if there's a parenting class, that, and find out if you could do it one-on-one, -on -one, how to deal with a difficult child. I see. Because it's workable. They might need medication. They might need therapy. But besides for those, when parents have some skills, 50% at least of the battles can be worked out. Not all of them. You might need a much stronger intervention. But 50% of the battle can be worked out. I see. Okay. All right. Thank you, Chaim, for the question. Thank you. You're welcome. We're going to read two, three questions from the Lakewood Scoop because I see people have asked in. So we're going to take that over there. Um, question as follows. The old counselor says, I was a counselor to add to Yaakov the council's question. I was a counselor in camp for a few years. To make it simple, I did my job. I was always there when I had to. One of the years, my campers shared a bunk house with another bunk. So the counselor from the other bunk always took advantage that I'm there when it was bedtime, and he just hardly showed up for many occasions. One night, I would overhear one of my campers say to one of the other campers on the other bunk, you're lucky your counselor is never there. The boy in the other bunk yells out to him, but you guys are lucky your counselor is always here when you need him. That was the biggest chizuk I got in all my years as a counselor. It came from a student from Kita Vav. I think Yaakov is afraid he will look like a bad cop if I could very much relate to that, especially especially when you work with others that might not take their job that seriously. Even children need stability, and they can tell who is doing their job seriously. Yes, my friend, and that's I am agreeing to that and responding to that. Every child likes when there is responsibility, when there is structure, and they appreciate it. And what I would have recommended, which when we had summertime last summer, several counselors called up with our questions. It was very cute when we had that. And my response is, do not take care of the other bunk. You might want to do it as a favor once in a while. Let the kids be rowdy. Keep them to their side. Let the head counsel deal with it. Let this guy be responsible for his irresponsibility. And that's not called being a good person if you're letting this guy not deal with his responsibility. Because when he has to get older, he didn't master it at this level. It gets much, much harder if he doesn't master it at that level. Next, we have over here from Chaya. I heard the question before discussing not being honest. But how can I trust my husband again after many years of distrust? Very true, and I've seen that countless times in therapy where there's an issue between a husband and a wife, and that's why us therapists do discuss the past because you'll find where a husband or a wife will say, way back in Sheva Brachas, way back in Shana Roshayna, you're so close to your mother or you discussed issues with your father or you didn't share things with me or later I found out you were going to places where I didn't know you were going and I can't trust you. These are normal issues, unfortunately, that come up. And once you can discuss and work out a solution in the past, it helps in the present and in the future. And I'm just saying that because so many people are just focusing on behavior. Behavior is important when you need to do behavior, and that's in the present. 
But at times when you need to heal the past, and many times in a relationship, the past is still in the present. You always hear husbands and wives go, why are you bringing up the past, but now I'm better? And the husband or the wife will always say, it's not the past that I'm bringing up. What I'm bringing up is you've always done that in the past, and you're continuing to do it in the present. Maybe not on that same level, but you need to acknowledge that this is your issue. So again, when you have a distrust Something is going on for many years. You need someone that has experience dealing with the marriage issue, and that's how it goes. A question number four from the Lakewood Scoop. Hello. I learned in school and classes to let my husband feel like the man of the house and ask him to do things, especially halacha shilas, even though I know the answer sometimes. How do I go about this? He sometimes very often says the wrong psak. And maybe because I'm the smarter one between us, he probably knows that he just that he just answers to sound smart. And then I have to do what he says when I know it's wrong. Also, how about if a father-in-law says something or even a father and something that is not the kind of thing you correct him on? Please help. Please forgive me, but as a therapy, as I do in therapy, we shift the tables around. I'm not going to suggest to you advice how to help your husband that he should feel great or a father or father-in-law that are telling you what to do. I would say the question differently. It sounds like you have an issue that you need to be right. Sounds like you have an issue where you're not hearing the other side. I can't understand this question where you're asking your husband question to build him up. Why can't it be that you have an expertise in one area, your husband in another? You're meant to complement each other. If you cannot find your husband is better than you in some area, that is your issue. And what I tell clients and all the time is if there is a pattern happening in your life, which means your husband doesn't know as much as you do, your father-in-law or father will tell you something and you correct them on it, it sounds like you have a control issue. You have an issue of being smarter than the whole world. And I got a secret to tell you. The only one that suffers is you. How many friends do you really have? Not people that you give guidance to and advice. Friends. Which you can share your difficulties with. I would ask you, can you give me a list of five of your chesroinists just to make you human? It sounds like you're a most unbelievable, amazing person, but in your perception. So what I would recommend is very strongly... Speak to someone with experience. It sounds like you can use a little bit of help on how to I see others, how to see strengths in others instead of focusing on your strengths. Thank you guys for those questions. Let's go back to the callers that we have in. Sarah on line three. Thank you for holding that long. And then Meretzeshem, we're going to try to hop around Aaron as well. Sarah, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. question regarding LCSW. I have a friend who just got certification, went to school, and she's now LCSW. So LCSW means they had three years experience post-graduated. That's a clinical. That's LCSW stands for licensed clinical. Right after you, you're titled LMSW. Okay. So if she just graduated, she's chances are she's LMSW. Okay, so either one. I'm sorry. Forgive me. (laughs) No problem. Just clarifying. I'm having a very hard time. Every time I speak to her lately, um, she's always been analytical, always wanted to be a therapist. But lately it's gotten to a point where I can't say anything without getting analyzed. Yes. Um, I'll say some. I'll try. It's gotten to a point where I don't call often because I'm not looking for that kind of conversation. We're supposed to be friends. And I'm just wondering... I don't feel comfortable. I could say something, but it's going to affect our relationship, which it's affected anyway. Yes. And 
I'm just wondering if this is something I should wait out because I'll say something offhand and she'll be like, oh, why would you say that? Do you think this, this, and that? And she'll say, maybe it's something in you. And I'll be like, you know, this is not where we were going. We were just having a conversation, and I wasn't asking for therapy. So let's let's take your question. Let's recognize that first this is very normal, both okay. on your friend's part. Mm-hmm. And it's known for medical doctors. When they start learning all the diagnosis, they start doing internships, they start seeing different rashes or different medical conditions. And I've heard from some Hatsala members where they say, oh, they go for annual you know, EKGs checking their heart or checking their blood or that because when you're in the field, you're more aware of it. Right. And it's normal for beginners to start being afraid and to be concerned. So when we take the class in diagnosing, I had a professor which sort of taught us saying, everything is normal. Everyone's got a touch of OCD and of ADD and of this and of that. The question is, if it affects you, that is where, if it affects your life where you cannot function, that's where the focus has got to be. Mm-hmm. Now, when I got married or when I was going through college, there was a quite a cute saying that my wife would say, don't be my therapist now or stop talking therapy language. Okay. And you can do that, which mm-hmm. means she might not be aware that she's changing her roles or when she goes into that, she might want to help you. And you can tell her our relationship is not therapist to client. Our relationship is friendship. Okay. means I will say things, don't correct me, don't point out my weaknesses, and I mm-hmm. am not going to be doing it to you. Okay. Meaning I should just tell her point blank, this is not what I want our relationship yeah, to be. Yeah, since you, you went to college, right, that's wonderful. So if, imagine if I would be going to baking school, you're going to tell me I just baked a chocolate, I'd go, oh no, don't call it that, call it this, and every conversation is now turning into therapy. Let's, avoid, let's not do that. Okay. So, yeah. I just feel that it's been for so many years because she's been in school for so many years. Now let's take it, let's take it to a different angle. Let's take a different angle. Many times people go to different positions, different jobs, because they like what they think will give them now power. So if I'm a social worker and people come to me for advice, now I can give advice. So now they have a header Mm -hmm. or reason why they can give advice. So these people were people that gave advice all along. Now, I've got a secret to tell you. You're going to find that these therapists, unless they do inner work, are not going to be good. Which means these, I don't want to attack just on the words that you're saying, so I have no idea anything about your friend. Mm-hmm. But in agencies where, where people go to for therapy, they go to someone, they go three, four sessions, and then they tell the supervisor or they tell the person that schedules the appointments, oh, I don't like this one, schedule someone else. You're going to find these therapists that are busy giving advice and analyzing everything, usually do not have a big clientele because people are not coming to be told what to do. People are not being told to, people are not coming to be analyzed. People are coming for their life to be better for them to create the awareness. And part of awareness is sometimes to talk therapy language, but sometimes when not. Sometimes you want to discuss something else. If everything you say is being analyzed, is being rationalized, is being critiqued, you can't handle that and you got to also be normal. I had just recently by me a couple, a client that was coming to me one-on-one. Then he came in with the spouse or him, but came in with a spouse. And he starts talking. I go, hold on. You're starting to talk like this, like who, like a professional, like just talk regular. Mm-hmm. Like you got to normalize the situation, normalize the, normalize the, what you're doing. And if your friend is busy talking for several years this way, 
chances are it's her issue. Chances are she had this issue in the past, and now she just has more of a right. So now that okay. I've given my whole speech, let me ask you, do you find it that way, that she was always that type? She always wanted to be a therapist. She comes from a dysfunctional place, and she always wanted to be able to help Let's others. change the word therapy and change that mm -hmm. to a different word. She always wanted to be an authority? Um... No, she always used to say, I want to be able to help others. Not her work. words. Don't listen to the words that oh, she's okay. saying. What was her need? <clears throat> I don't know. Well, you're a good friend of hers. Think <clears throat> about it. It's so many. I've been friends with her for probably 22 Great. years. Great. So let's go into the 22 years that you know her. Do you find that she has a need that when she speaks, people didn't respect her val or value That's her work? That's possible. That's possible. That's right. So what she is looking for is, and I'm trying to help the whole world, actually, and no one is listening to, to me. She was a goddess, actually. She was perceived as like this perfect human being who always knew. Um, That's my point. That is exactly what I want to illustrate. And therapy is the exact opposite. Being a mm -hmm. therapist, unless you do behavioral coaching, mm -hmm. which that is the role where you're I'm a high and mighty up there and I have experience and we agree to this behavior and you didn't stick to it. So therefore now we've got to change behavior. You got to be more extreme. That is the only time in therapy that you use that method or unless you need to set up strong boundaries. Other than that, that attitude is actually contrary and it is harmful in therapy and it sort of makes a person not willing to open up to anyone else okay, so your so. friend i don't know which college she went to i don't know who her supervisors were but uh, i guess i hope in her new place she'll have better supervision or maybe they will be supervised but they will work on her and sort of focus on her to be more successful because that attitude from my experience does not make a good therapist actually the opposite well i'm not a client so, therefore, she can say whatever she wants to me. Um, absolutely not. You have a friendship, and well, therefore, right. it but has to be within the bounds of her. friendship. Right. So, my job is to say, I do not want to have this kind of relationship. And if That's you're right. going to do this, then our relationship is severely compromised. Or, right, or recognize I'll be avoiding you, or oh, I'll okay. catch. And she might say, oh, I don't even realize it. She might say, I want to help you as a friend. Just now I have better tools. So, mm -hmm. you can tell, okay, then don't start sending analytical. Just tell me, just tell me as a friend would say, oh, I think you made a mistake. Like, don't say it that way. Instead of using the professional terms, which I find people many times don't like, like, stop right. therapizing me. Right. And it might help her in her pri in her okay. therapy. Just to make her aware. Yes, just to make her aware. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome for that question, for that comment. And it is important for us to recognize that for us to do better, for us when we get into a role, not to get too much into the role, how to do it on a healthy level. We've got another, man, another person um, responding to the comment about the... Uh, correct diagnosis for a developmental disability is PDD, persuasive developmental disorder. Um, so thank you for those and for our educated listeners. I appreciate it. Bezos Hashem Yisbarach, looking forward. We're having Pesach coming up next week and the next week is Halamoid. So we will be off for two weeks and looking forward to having you right after Pesach back at this time from 12 to 2. Looking forward to your questions and answers. May we have Siata Deshmaya, a wonderful Pesach, and be to have the Geula Shalema coming now, that still at this Pesach, we should not have to say, but already now to be at Mashiach, in, in Eretz Yisrael, in Yerushalayim, by the Beis HaMikdosh, this Pesach.